Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're doing well as always, and I'm going to tell you that we're doing fine, but somehow the technology is not. Something has happened to the computer, and I'm trying to bring up the the video so we can see each other, But I or I can't see you ever, but you can see me. But something is wrong today, so I'll just speak with you, and if we could correct it along the way, we'll, we'll do that. Um, we'll continue right from where we are, were yesterday. You know, I almost want to ask you a question. Um, we've been talking about the importance of knowing our faith. Um, oh, I think we may have gotten it. Let me just see. Hold on a minute. This may be terrific. We may have our camera back. Let me just see. Well, we may not. No, not yet. Not yet. So sorry. Okay. Um, We've been talking about the importance of knowing our faith. And so what I've um, been uh, wanting to do is take us, you and I, because I've never been through the Baltimore Catechism, Um, I read my way into the church, uh, which I entered in 1995, but I was never uh, through the Baltimore Catechism. And um, I thought, you know, the best way to combat uh, the confusion in the church today and what's going on, which we have have little control over, God has the control over that, uh, but our prayers matter 100%. We are not helpless. We can pray, and God does answer our prayers. So we must pray, in fact, for the conversion of anybody that is confused or teaching error, um, and we must know and learn our faith in order to live it and be God's witnesses in this world. And so um, we were talking about uh, the First question, I'm going to see if I can bring it up again. I don't know what's going on with my computer here. Um, We love technology, but when it goes a little off, then we we don't have much to say about it. Um, Okay, hang on one. Um, Okay. Um, So we've been talking about knowing our faith and um, looking through the Baltimore Catechism. So if I ask you, not why did God make you, Not why did God make you, but what is the end of man? What is the end of man? What would you say? What is the end of man? We've been talking about this for a week now. What is the end of man? And the Catechism says that the end of man is to know, love, and serve God. Now, um, you know that. Many of you know that who grew up on the Baltimore Catechism for sure. Um, but you haven't been asked the question that way. And what I love, um, uh, here, here's the, I, I was able to get the catechism up again. By the end of man, we mean the purpose for which he was created, namely to know, love, 
and serve God. The reason I love that, rather than why did God make you, is that almost everything in our world today is so man-centered, self-centered, and we become, in our own minds, the center of the universe. Everything is what we think, uh, what we love, what we don't love, what we disagree with. It's all centered on us as if we were God, as if we had all the wisdom of the world to do everything and to know everything and to determine everything. And of course we don't. And so what do we mean by the end of man? And the catechism says by the end of man, we mean the purpose for which he was created. And what is that? namely to know, love, and to serve God. And and you may meet people and they may say, I, I don't even believe God exists and I, you can't know him. I, I don't certainly don't love him and why should I serve him? Look what he's done to me. Look at my life. It's miserable. And the fact is the answer to them is it's because you don't know why you exist. You're going about it the wrong way. A watch was made to tell time. And if you use it to cook eggs or whatever else you'd use it for, it's not going to work. And your life is not going to work unless you know that the reason you were created is to know, love, and serve God. It will only be, it will be your only happiness. It will, nothing else will make you happy. You can choose uh, temporary means of being happy by your feelings, but they only lead to death. Um, the proverb says in the scriptures, there is a right, there's an end that seems right to a man, but its way is the end of death. And so we want life, not just in this world, but in the next. Um, so it's a, it's a good thing to know that. Uh, and we'll go through other questions. The second one, how do you know that man was created for God alone? And the answer is, I know that man was created for God alone because everything in the world was created for something more perfect than itself. But there is nothing in the world more perfect than man. Therefore, he was created for something outside this world. And since he was not created for the angels, he must have been created for God. And then it says this, third question. To what respect, in what respect, are all men equal? In what respect are all men equal? And the answer is, all men are equal in whatever is necessary for their nature and end. Listen to this. All men, that takes in men and women, mankind, I don't even like saying humankind, mankind, that's what the language God used. God created man and made him male and female. All men are equal in whatever is necessary for their nature and end. They are all composed of a body and soul. They are all created to the image and likeness of God. They are all gifted with understanding and free will, and they have all been created for the same end, God. You see? So when we declare equal rights and we say, um, women are equal to men and men are equal to women and all of that, it's only in this respect. It's only in the respect of their nature and end. They all have a body and soul. They are all created in the image and likeness of God with a will and a reason, ability to think and to love. 
They are all gifted with understanding and free will. But, beloved, the free will we have been given is not the freedom to do evil. We we have been given the freedom to follow God, the freedom to do good, but also the freedom to choose. And so we can choose to not follow God. Um, But again, the rights we have, so we have the freedom to turn from God, which Adam and Eve did, of course, and most of us have, at, at least at one point in our life. We have free will. We can make that choice. Um, and we have all been created for the same end, which is God. Now, you may disagree with this, but a watch may disagree if it could speak that it was made to tell time because it's bored. It wants to do something else for a change. It wants to get out of itself. Well, it can, but it will no longer tell time. It will no longer exist for the reason it is made. And if it could have feelings, it would be a very miserable, unhappy watch and probably take some drugs. You see, if we're not in God's design, we can argue everything we think, but everything we think is because we're outside of God's design and outside of God's will. Um, And so we have been reading the book Society and Sanity by Frank Sheed, written in 1953, and he has described sanity as what is real. That is what is real. Humility is seeing ourselves as we are, not higher than we are, not lower than we are. If we see ourselves too highly, that's pride. If we see ourselves too lowly, that's pride also. That's not humility. Humility is seeing ourselves as God sees us, seeing ourselves sanely, that is, as we are, what is. And as what is, if we see ourselves as we truly are before our Maker, then we are humble and we can grow in virtue and holiness and reach the end for which God made us. And so uh, Frank Sheet has been saying uh, all this time we've been reading that um, uh, all the programs, the social programs uh, for mankind, the schools, uh, everything that we've tried to do through the centuries um, really has gone wrong because it is for man's idea of man that is mostly corrupt. Um, We need God's idea of man. We need to know what is man. We say, well, we create these programs for society, for man, for mankind. But what is man? And very few people can answer that. And Frank Sheet is answering it for us. And I find personally, beloved, I find this book a treasure. It's teaching me. It's wonderful. So we can can continue from where we were yesterday. Frank Sheet says, I have said that men range themselves behind the one answer or the other, but not in equal proportions. I think it is fair to say that in some form or other, the theistic answer is the one that human reason, using the term to mean the actual thinking of the race, has given. The the answer to what is man is what our reasoning as a human race has given. And reason 
using the term now to mean the mind working by the strictest logic, gives the same answer. Why? Because reason has fallen, beloved. A brief survey of man's practically universal reaction will show how reasonable human reason has been in this matter. Looking at the universe, man has been conscious of a vast framework of order. There have been large areas that he did not understand and elements which he could not use. Um, He could not see how to fit into the general framework. But these were problems inviting further investigation, whereas the framework was a fact that simply imposed itself so that it required no hard labor or investigation to establish it. That there is an order, and a magnificent order, man has always seen. Now the human mind revolts at chance. Um, The human mind revolts at chance as an explanation of even a very simple instance of order. For example... If a man were to see four sticks of equal length lying on the ground at right angles one to another, it would be quite useless to tell him that the wind had blown them there, right? You see four sticks at right angles to one another. They form a perfect, perfect square lying on the ground, and no one would believe that the wind got them in that position. When Robinson Crusoe saw the sand shaped to a human footprint, he knew that a man had walked there. He did not simply think this a more probable explanation than that the sand had chanced to blow that way. He knew it. Faced with the immeasurably complex order of the universe, man has has regarded it as obvious that it must have been produced by a mind and a will. Have you read years ago about the Big Bang Theory, um, uh, that it just all happened? How, how crazy is that? That it all works without a designer, without a creator. It's, it's a bit of, that's insanity. Indeed, Frank Sheet goes on, since there is an order in the universe that staggers the mind of man, the obvious explanation would seem to be that it has been caused by a mind immeasurably greater than the mind of a man, a mind of which man, um, a mind of which man's, that's man's mind, is an image, but the bare image and no more. Anyone who says that an order so massive and multifarious has come about by sheer chance ought surely to feel that the onus of proof for a statement so incredible is on him. In fact, my brother doesn't mind my saying this. It's one of the things that led him to believe that there's a God. What, how do you explain, he said, the fact of existence? How do you explain the fact of existence. And unless there's a God, there's no explanation. Frank Sheed goes on to say, but in this matter, 
as in the matter of the spiritual element in man, the materialist has performed an extraordinary sleight-of-hand trick, and the theist has too often let him get away with it. The materialist beamingly explain that this vast interlocking order merely happened that way and has managed to pose as the plain, blunt man cutting away with the knife of his common sense all this nonsense about order being produced by a mind. Nonsense, you see. When the materialist gets down to a real effort to explain how chance might produce order, he reaches the ultimate in fantasy, yet never loses his air of patient reasonableness. One remembers Huxley's illustration of the monkey with the typewriter, a monkey tapping away through endless ages on a typewriter would ultimately have produced every combination of letters, including that combination of letters which we call Hamlet. Similarly, those atoms of which the universe is composed, merely bashing about in limitless space, will ultimately arrange themselves in every possible combination, including that combination which we call the universe. Huxley, as it happens, was not the inventor of this pleasant conceit. The Greeks knew it. Without the typewriter, of course, in the 5th century before Christ, and prided themselves on having seen through it, the Romans applied it to the poems of Aeneas and thought it frightfully funny, which, of course, it is, as between the man who reading Hamlet assumes it was written by someone, and the man who thinks it may be just one of the arrangements of words produced by a monkey, with all eternity on his hands, there can be hardly any question which is the plain man and which is the fantasist. Once we come to see, don't be afraid to, um, I hope you don't check out, beloved, while I'm reading this, I have to think quite strongly through this too and I'm probably reading it a little too quickly for you to put all the pieces together but it's magnificent because we have for the most part as a society and as evidence today if you look at the whole gamut of those running for president uh, not the president himself today but those wanting to um, uh, defeat him we haven't learned how to think and I think I mentioned once that when I was in um, uh, just past high school, I think it was a, a, my first classes in uh, the beginning of college, and I did a, a research paper on the educational systems of the United States compared with um, other countries, including third world countries, because in several surveys the United States came out um, uh, in general, average ability to think was on a 7th, 8th grade level. And our college students functioned on a 7th, 8th grade level. 
and we were below third world countries in math and science. Un- questions, unbelievable, unbelievable, because our whole school system has eliminated critical thinking. Children are taught to memorize and study and pass exams, but they're not taught critical thinking, and we, we must have that. And so this book really challenges us to put on some thinking caps, and we may be getting tired because our muscles are not so exercised. Um, but let me read it, and I, I'm only going to read a little bit each day. Hold on one moment. Okay, thank you. Frank she says, Once we come to see whether along some such line in the one just sketched or by the deeper thrusting reasonings of the philosophers that God exists, it is hard to escape the notion of God as having a will for mankind and giving man some indication of what it is. From this to the notion that God would tell man what ways of action were good for him and what had a single step. I'm sorry, what actions were good for him and what bad is a single step. I I got confused myself in reading that. Let me just reread that sentence. From this to the notion that God would tell man what ways of action, there you go, what ways of action were good for him and what bad is a single step. Taking that step, we arrive at the moral law. At the beginning of this section, Frank Sheets said, he writes, that reason establishes the major part of the Christian view of man and confirms all of it. The remainder of this book, he says now, will be largely concerned with that greater matter of the confirmation of the Christian view of man by reflection upon human experience. It is the literal truth that to one who has really mastered what Christ has to teach about the nature of man, nothing that happens gives any reason for doubt. That view of man is wide enough to take in all human experience. Beloved, we will stop there for today. Um, And look at that. We're right at our break. Good timing. Okay, beloved, we're going to try to get the, the video up during the break. But if we don't succeed, I certainly apologize. I don't know what happened. We'll have to fix it. Um, We'll have to fix it later today. But you are welcome to call in toll-free with anything at all on your heart um, uh, at 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back, beloved.
St. Francis Xavier Cabrini said, I will go anywhere and do anything in order to communicate the love of Jesus to those who do not know him or have forgotten him. As you travel, be sure to let others know that Catholic Radio is available for them. Request your free Catholic Radio bumper magnets today. Visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Promote tab at the top of our website. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab. Thank you for supporting Catholic Radio and helping to spread the gospel message to everyone else on the road. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved, and um, some of you who were with us the first half of the program know that we're having uh, some camera problems this morning, so it, the program is live-streamed. Uh, at least you can hear it, uh, but it's it's verbal at the moment, uh, audio, and we don't have the, the video. We're going to keep trying uh, keep trying to work on it, but you are welcome uh, to call in with anything on your heart uh, or to text at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross dot com. We have Jean on the line. Hello, Jean. Hello, mother. Thank you so much for everything that you do. <clears throat> I have a little cold, so my voice is a little uh, raspy. But I, okay. I'm just. But, I, but I'm calling because I've <clears throat> I've asked God to use me in my later years to help others who don't know God. And I see difficulties in families. Um, and I, I have, I have an urge to speak to them, but I wanted guidelines from you to give me an idea of, you know, the, the, the format that I should follow so that, um, I'm being more helpful as opposed to being more, uh, not helpful. Yes. Um, can you give me the sort of, ex- any kind of example you might think that you would encounter? 
Excuse me, could you repeat that? When you say, well, yes, Um, when you talk about speaking to a family and wanting to help them, um, because you're right, families need help all over the place. We all do. It's a very fallen world. But give me an idea. In other words, would it be a family you know? Would they be strangers? Would it be someone in your church, someone on your block? Um, How would you encounter this family? Give me an idea of what you're thinking of. Okay. Uh, there is a family that I know, and I'm I'm kind of on the verge of saying something today uh, when I see them later on. Uh, it's a family that has no life. There's turmoil. There's outings, There's sickness, and they they don't have they don't seem to God as the main focus of their lives. So I I just want to bring him into their lives so that they can find peace, more peace in their in their lives with the turmoils that they're going through. It's Do they know you? Do they yes. know you? Are you friends yes. with them? Yes. You are. Um, have yes. you been in their home? N- no, um, no, because it's it's not one of those things where it's a comfortable thing going into their home. I see them at um. At a uh, at a senior center. At a senior center, so there are children yes. or just adults. Just just adults. A husband and but wife. But there are children. But 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 there, but, but there are children in the family. In the fa- uh, okay. No, it's a it's it's a mother and father and well, uh, daughter yeah. and grandchildren. Okay, you know. Um, the way to help anybody, Jean, if you're looking for a kind of a, I think you use the word format, but um, because every situation is entirely different, there's no formula. But the but the main thing to do is to respect them and to not try to manage or intrude in their lives whatsoever. Um, but to come alongside them. It's the way, what our Lord did. He came to heaven. He came from heaven. He became one of us and came alongside us and walked with us and lived with us to, to, to bring us to God. And so I would, at the, at the center, um, don't try to do anything or correct anything. If they're senior citizens, um, it's not likely that they're going to be able to grasp things, even if they can, to change them. They are they're kind of set in their ways at this point. So what I would do is just befriend them and be a listener. Be a sympathetic listener. Let them talk to you. Let them tell you. And if they say, you know, I haven't seen my daughter for a year. Oh, I'm so sorry. Will she be coming for Thanksgiving? No, she won't come. What do you think? Why won't she come? You know, that's a shame. Why won't she? Let let them tell you what's on their heart. People mostly need people to hear. They need to be heard. They need to be understood. So be a, a friend that really hears that they can talk because if they find that you're a listener and you're not listening to try to solve a problem or tell them what to do but you're listening because you care and if they talk to you for 10 hours you're going to listen i'm I'm exaggerating Um, eventually they'll come to trust you and begin to want your help that sounds like great advice. I really appreciate that. Okay, you are sure. my mentor. I, I, I love you dearly, and I'm so grateful that um, I can get the advice that I get from you. So thank you. Bless you, Jean. Go take lots of vitamin C and get some sleep. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Have a
have a good day. Uh, You too, sweetheart. Bye-bye. We have Lisa on the phone. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Mother Miriam. Hi, sweetie. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing well. Um, Good. You are a blessing. I just want to thank you for being there, and I love your program. I've learned so much. Thank you, Um, Lisa. But I I have a problem. I'm hoping you can maybe be able to provide me some peace with this. Okay. Um, My mom passed away in 2006, and, you know, as my father had directed, she left the estate to her four, you know, to the four children. Mm -hmm. And was Um, your father still alive? No, no, he had he had passed okay. away before then. About, um, yeah, about ten years before okay. that. Okay, mm-hmm. that was always his wish, and that was what my mom, my mother, had done. Okay, um, but my sister, who's uh, I'm, I'm trying to make a long story as short as possible. Um, my eldest sister um, in charge of the estate, and you know, since 2006, my brother and other sister have passed away. And the, the house has been deteriorating over the years. I have tried to work with my sister to, you know, resolve the situation with the property and at really haven't gotten very far at all, even, you know, with the, um, like, uh, legal mediators to the situation. And, um, it, you know, it's very sad. I never fought with my sister, not even once. So when people say that, you know, wills or when, you know, people die, it breaks up families, I would never have believed that in a million years, but mm-hmm. that is what happened. So, so let me just clarify. You're, you're, uh, okay, there's, there's our break, Lisa. Can you hang on till after the break? Absolutely. Okay, Thank sweetheart. You. We'll be right back. And Sarah, I, I see you're waiting also. Uh, we'll be right back after the break, beloved. Um, you can call in toll free. I don't know how much time we'll have after the break, but uh, you can certainly call in uh, at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or in the morning, um, and email or text. Text at the toll free number. Email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We'll be right back. of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Emilia says, iCatholic Radio is the only radio station I listen to. It's my constant companion whether I'm in my car or walking. It's a good way to learn and to deepen my understanding about my faith. It's a source of reliable information of which we badly need in our culture. I encourage everyone to listen and support iCatholic Radio as a gateway to heaven. Another reviewer writes, at last, a radio station worth listening to. Thank you. I love it. And Deepak writes, a Catholic media treasure trove, spiritually uplifting and fun. One reviewer says, love it, love it. I'm learning so much about the Catholic faith, it makes me seriously consider conversion. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. 
Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And we have a, uh, we're on the line with Lisa. And Lisa, you said your dad died about 10 years before your mom, and your mom died in 2006, was it? Yes. And your dad had directed that uh, whatever the estate was, it would be divided between the four siblings, and you're one of the four, but the... um, Executrix was your eldest sister, the one who would take care of everything. And you said two of your siblings have died since then, so it is you now and your eldest sister. When your mom died, was it divided between the four of you at that time? My my sister had um, uh, submitted the paperwork to the courts, but um, she never sold the house. The house has just been sitting there. Um, so which, is it just know, a house that's the question right now? Yeah, and and um, it, it's it's the way the way that it happened was was very well, very. You don't don't go into that, dear Lisa, because we have other callers, and I I really right. uh, <clears throat> we won't have the time, sweetheart. But um, so right now the only issue is the house, and it's been sitting there, and nobody's done anything with it since 2006 is that right um that that's right and uh, a few years ago i had gone in there with with a realtor who said that um you know she wouldn't represent it because of its condition the furnace had you know uh, okay go on now go on rather than describing it all um, uh, the problem has been my sister wants to use a realtor and um you know, it, it makes no sense because of the condition um, of, of the property. Okay, so what's so where does that go now? Your sister wants to use a realtor, and um, a realtor won't take it. So now where do we go? She has a, a realtor that sh- she wants to use that's a friend, and so I had sent a, an item to her that I came across that belonged to her. So she reached out, and she talked about this realtor and said he had cancer and that she would like you know, you know, be him to get the commission, you know, because of that. Okay. And I said, 
So, so for healing, I said, for healing, why don't we just sell it, let him take all of the proceeds, and that will heal this situation between us. I felt that it would be a, a beautiful, blessed opportunity. All right, to, so you're saying let him sell it. <clears throat> let the gentleman who's your sister's friend with cancer, let him sell it, and he can have the whole proceeds, right? Yes. Okay, was, now what what's the issue after that? Well, she came back, and I was, like, really, really disappointed because she came back and said, well, you can do whatever you want with your share. Yeah, You're, she's very right. She's very right. It's it's her share, and you can't decide what to do with it. Uh, she's doing a kind deed by letting this gentleman sell the house and get the commission. That's a good thing. If you want him to have more than that, you can certainly give him your share, but it's not something for you and your sister to do together. So that probably miffed her a little bit because well, you're I suggesting what like she should do. Because What's that? Of the division, because of the division that this has caused, um, you know... You mean you're suggesting that you both give all the money to him cause the division between you and your sister? Um, yeah, I feel feel like it would be reparation for, you know, the the past, I mean, it's been, what, 13 years? What would be reparation, Lisa? Um, that we both sacrifice. No, you the- can't control somebody else's life. That's okay. what you think, and it's it's actually not giving on your part. It's selfish on your part. Because you're considering reparation, you're considering giving to this man who's in need, you're not considering your sister, and she should be your very first consideration. And so uh, she has a right to be upset that you don't seem to care as much for her as for what you feel is a matter of doing good. No. My, My thought is, sweetie, that you go and apologize to your sister and say, you know, I was proud. I thought that this would be a good thing to do, but it was selfish and it was self-centered. It's what I wanted to do. Even though what I wanted to do seemed like it was good, it didn't take you into consideration. And it caused the division between us, and, and I'm the one who caused the division and apologized to her. You cannot control somebody else's life, sweetheart. Even though what you're thinking is good, it's not good. You have no right to do good with somebody else's property and money. And I, I do understand, but the situation with the that realtor only only just came up. It wasn't what has caused. What has caused the division? Then you've got to sum this up in a sentence because I need to take the other callers, Lisa. What 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 is your question now? What has caused the division? Because you want to know what to do to heal the relationship with your sister, right? Yes. Give me in no, one I, sentence I what has caused the division between you. I've got the background. I respect that. I understand. Okay. But what okay. has, if this man has, and your suggestion hasn't caused it, what has caused the division? That she has not come to the table to discuss, um, you know, the property. I had, um, you know, reached out so that we could sit down, you know, to talk about you know how the property would be sold and she would never agree to even you know sit down okay lisa sweetheart let it go just completely let it go she she should have discussed it with you that's not a question but she didn't 
and now she has a man to sell it. And the only thing you want to make sure is that your mom's personal items and whatever you may want, personally, furniture, anything else that you could, you know, you could have or divide among you, let it go. Let it go. It's not important, Lisa. It's material. Our life is short in this world. I would apologize to your sister and say, I'm sorry I've made these things difficult. I did what was logical to me, but I see that it's caused a division between us. And you have somebody to sell the house. Go and do it and and it, it, distribute it as you will. I would let it go, Lisa. Your relationship with your sister is more important. And you're demanding things of her that she you don't have that relationship with her and um i don't know what has caused the division between you it's not just that matter it might be her personality it might be your intervening personality i don't know what it is lisa but what's most important is that you two come together and love each other and forgive each other so i would go and say to your sister it Our folks left it in your hands. It's in your hands. Don't worry about it. Whatever you do, I will respect you, and she'll give you her share of the sale. Your share of the sale. You can do what you want with it, and I would not let this continue, Lisa. Please be the one. What's that? Please pray for us, Mother Miriam. Well, yes, of course I'll pray for you, Lisa. But let let it go. Let it go because. if you don't, um, you're going to be causing a division between you and your sister that, that you will always regret. Let it go. It's not important. Let, do you have money to live? Um, um, I've recently lost my job. Okay, so you need another job. Um, go ahead and look for one. You're not out on the street. And if they sell the house and she gives you your share of the house, you can't be very desperate for money if you had considered giving the entire thing over to this to this gentleman. So let it go. Le- get your sister off the hook. Let her do what she's going to do and be at peace with God, Lisa. Don't worry. Trust God that he's allowed this so that he can show you that he's your all, that he's your provider. You don't need to discuss the house with your sister. Let it go. That's why families break up over these things, because they won't let it go. Let it go, sweetheart. Love your sister and and tell her that you apologize. She she can do whatever she wants, and if she wants you to do anything, let you know. Thank you so much, Mother Miriam. You are such a blessing. All right, sweetheart. Sarah, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Hi, I'm so sorry for keeping you waiting so long. You sound very distant from the phone. Is this a little bit better? Well, it's a lot better. <laughs> Go ahead, oh, honey. Good. Um, so my question is, is I grew up Catholic, but I did not attend Catholic school. So I apologize. I don't know all the, uh, you know, the ins and outs of Catholicism. But recently I've joined a, ro- a rosary group, which I, I love and I find a lot of peace with. But um, And the ro- rosary group talks a lot about Fatima. And um, my concern is, Mother, is that I've started praying the rosary so much that... Um, How much is so I've much? Been, How much well, is so much? You know, like when Once I, a day? I like to, uh, yeah, well, I just see the Hail Mary a lot. Um, and if I don't even have my rosary beads with me, I'll it'd be in the car and I'll okay. say the Hail Mary. And um, 
my concern is, is that I've sort of replaced Mary with Jesus and God. And, you know, it specifically says in the Bible. You, you mean the other him. way. You mean you think you've replaced Jesus with Mary. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I'm praying the rosary so much that I'm that, not praying to God and Jesus as much as I should. That's be. what I thought and, you said. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think the rosary is a wonderful thing, but I'm wondering if, um, you know, obviously God wants us to be praying to him. And nowhere in the Bible does it say that we should be praying to Mary. And um, so that that's a concern of mine that um, I think the rosary is a great thing. But I'm wondering if you think it can sort of over be done. And um, it cannot be also- overdone. There is no way, Sarah, of loving Mary too much, of having too great a devotion to her. There is no way. At the wedding feast of Cana, she said, do whatever he tells you. And that's the only result of praying to Mary. No matter you pray to her a million times a day, she will come and say to you, do whatever he tells you. Her only focus is for you to be a saint for you to follow and walk with her son as she did. And she's a mother who can show you how. If you're worried about repetition, dear one, go to Psalm 136, which says his mercies are new every morning, every other line. There's a lot of repetition in the Bible. God is not against repetition. He's against vain repetition. And the rosary is... um, meditating on the life of our Lord. That's what our mother has given us the rosary for, to meditate on the life of our Lord from his birth to his resurrection, the entire life of our Lord. So she's homeschooling us. That's what she gave us the rosary. She's homeschooling us to meditate on the life of her son. And so meditating on the life of her son is not vain, and you cannot do it too much, and it only pleases God to do that. It only pleases God. Okay, great. Good to hear, because um, it it just helped me get through some tough times. And some people think, but it's not in the Bible. But you know what else is not in the Bible? What's that? Do you believe in the Trinity, the triunity of God? It's not in the Bible. You won't find the word. Do you believe in the incarnation that God became man? Yes. It's not in the Bible. You see, God, it's true, but it's not in the Bible. God has formed a family, and he left the deposit of faith, and all things have been given to us, but we're a family, and we discover and develop things that are consistent with the deposit of faith through our whole lives. And the rosary was not given at the beginning. Um, in fact, it wasn't in the Bible because um, it, it, it has all the mysteries that, um, that, that happened even after our Lord's death. So uh, like your own family, you develop traditions along the way. It, they're not false because you didn't do them from day one. You know what I'm saying, Sarah? It's a family, and it's the family of God, sweetheart, and God has given us a mother who's a creature, a mere creature, but the highest creature ever created, and the way that God has given us to lead us to her son. Fabulous. Thank you for those okay. words. Good. Thank Good, Sarah. God okay. bless you, sweetheart. God bless you. Thank you. You, you too. 
Okay, we have very little time left, but we have a caller on the line anonymously. We just have a minute. Would you like to uh, ask your question very quickly? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I don't want to rush you, Mother. No, so sweetheart. I I'd be rushing you, actually. Can you call in tomorrow? Sure. Thank yeah, you, do, Mother. Do that, and we'll take you first up. Okay. All right. God bless you, dear one. We always run out of time. I wish we had five hours. So God bless all of you. I apologize that we couldn't be live streamed today. We were audio, but the video didn't work. We'll be back on track tomorrow, we pray. God bless you. We'll speak with you tomorrow.